um, had to go over to Omaha uh, late this afternoon, and he's got a blockage, and the devil is a liar, and Jesus is the healer. And um, so they're probably just getting there right now because about 4.30 is when I last saw them and they were just going to get the kids delivered and head out. So they're probably just getting over there now. So anyway, let's, let's just come together in agreement right now in Jesus' name. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, where two or three agree, it's touching anything, it shall be done for them. And uh, I, I've prayed with him, they're believing. And I've asked if it's all right for me to bring this up tonight. And he said yes. And so we're, we're placing ourselves in a position of agreement with him right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, we have authority uh, to speak to that blockage in the name of Jesus. We curse it in the very name of Jesus. Whatever that, that hindrance is, um, they speak tumors. Father, we're not going to go by any name. We just say, be moved in Jesus' name. Leave that body. Ryan is a redeemed of the Lord. Healing belongs to him. He has been healed, and that healing belongs to him in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we know that we don't have to convince you of it. And so we just speak to the devil, and we speak to that blockage. We speak to that mountain right now in Jesus' name, and we say, be moved in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you that faith moves mountains. And Father, I thank you that Ryan and Jenny are in agreement with us. We thank you, Father, for your, your ministering spirits that are surrounding them and ministering grace and mercy to them right now. Peace that surpasses human understanding, even the midst of this difficult time, every lie that's, that's bombarding them right now, Father, we thank you that peace overrides all of that in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we will not settle because we know that you won't. So we don't settle for anything but a complete healing and restoration in Jesus' name. And so, Father, I just pray for the children right now. I come against any fear that would try to minister to those three <clears throat> beautiful children. We bind it in the name of Jesus. Father, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so for that family and for their extended family and friends, we come against any fear that would try to cancel out and come against faith in Jesus' name. So Father, we stand as a body, we stand as a people in faith. And we declare that Ryan is a redeemed of the Lord. Healing belongs to him. And Father, we look forward to the good report in Jesus' name. And everybody that agrees with that says amen and amen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So you can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. I hate sickness. I hate disease of every form has no right to anybody in his body. You know, so why do we put up with it? Well, it's just a flu, it's just a cold. Why do we put up with it? You know, we need to stand upon the Word of God and take authority over that crap in Jesus' name and tell it to leave and give it no place. 
You know, because, you know, as we, as we see him work in the small things, you know, we, we have confidence when it comes to the bigger things. And so uh, we're, we're, just, we're, just, we're just flat out not going to tolerate it anymore. That, that's, that's just it. I, I've just, he, he's gone too far this time. He's ticked me off to the utmost. And so we will, we will not tolerate Sickness and disease in this body. Amen. Amen. We will not tolerate sickness and disease in this body. We will not tolerate lack any longer in this body. He's come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He desires, his desire is for us to prosper and to be in health even as our soul prospers. And we're here tonight because of the word of God. So our souls prosper in Jesus' name. We are confident in the Word of God because we know that it works every single time. We are a people of faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we are people of the Word and therefore we are people of faith. And therefore we see it work in our lives in every single area. And so Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we're continuing our little study here and uh, on prayer. And uh, let's take a look at Daniel, the ninth chapter. And uh, we're going to look at the 23rd verse. And it says, and at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. What went out? The command went out. You know, just think about this. Even Daniel, Old Testament saint, understood the command. You know, Jesus has already done it. You know, and so we're not, we're not commanding him to do anything. You know, I... There, there was a period of time where some of the teaching that went around was that uh, we had a right to these things and so we needed to command God to do it. Let me tell you something, God's God. We don't, we don't, we don't tell God what to do. We don't command him uh, to do anything. But there is a commanding. There is a command that we have over the evil one. There is a command that we have over the situation. And that's what we're commanding. We're, we're commanding the will of God to be manifest in whatever circumstance it is. And so we're not, we're not commanding God where Ryan is concerned. We're not commanding God to heal Ryan because he's already done it. We're commanding the manifestation of that healing to come forth because it's already been provided for through the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus by the stripes that he took upon his back. What a... What a slap in the face of Jesus when we say, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. Let me tell you something. What Jesus did was enough for the complete manifestation of the healing of Ryan. What Jesus did was enough for a complete manifestation of healing in your life, whatever it is that's lacking, whether it be a, be a sniffles or a be, whether it be something more serious than that. We have a right to command that, that manifestation of the healing. And we're not commanding God to do anything because he's already done it. You know, and so 
you can't command me to love the Vikings. It's too late. Because I already love them. You know, so it, 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 it's a waste of air. But you can, you, you can talk about what is already there. I, that's, a, that's a terrible example. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. <clears throat> but, but you understand what I'm saying. We're not, we're not commanding him to do anything because he's already done it. We're commanding the circumstance, the situation to line up with God's word. God doesn't change. God will never change. And so when we pray, our prayers are never to change God because he's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we pray, there, there's a couple of things that happen. You know, number one, it begins to change us because it, it gets us in line with God's word. We begin to speak in agreement with what God says. Now, a lot of prayer doesn't do that. And so you need to just, if you pray that way, you need to just discard it. And if you're around somebody that's praying that way, you need to just leave the room. Amen. Don't, don't ever get yourself in agreement with doubt and unbelief. You know, and so, uh, but we're, we're commanding the circumstances to line up with him. And so uh, it, it lines us up. And then we're, we're speaking to the situation because we need to understand we do have authority. We don't have authority over God. He's God. We have authority over the circumstances in our life that are not lining up with the will of God. And so that's why it's so important for us to be men and women of the word because it's through the word of God that the will of God is revealed to us. Now, this isn't our teaching tonight, but it's ex extremely critical concerning prayer. Faith can only be extended to the extent of the known will, in God, will of God. And so, <clears throat> I, can't, I can't stand in faith in an area if I don't know what the will of God is. I can't stand in faith for healing if I have doubts that God really wants to heal me. And so what we have to do is we have to get rid of the doubts, but it isn't just by putting them down, it's by replacing them with faith. The way we replace faith, doubt with faith, is through the Word of God. The more we see in the Word of God, the more we are convinced in the Word of God that it's true, the more we're going to stand upon it and we'll, we'll be able to resist the evil one. Because he's going to come and he's going to try to uh, to dominate us. He's going to try to control us. And his number one tactic is fear. It's what he uses every single time. You know, your child gets sick and, and what, what's the, the first thing that happens is it's, it's, it's that fear that rises up on the inside of you. Especially if you don't understand the symptom. Because your mind will always go to the worst scenario. And you think, why do I think that way? It's not you thinking that way. It's the thought that's placed in your mind. See, one of the things as born again believers we don't ever have to worry about. We cannot be possessed by the devil. You know why? Because we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. 
we're full of the Holy Spirit and the, the, the devil and demons can't dwell in the same vessel. But we're harassed by demons. The thoughts that come against us. You have that thought and you think, where did that thought come from? Let me tell you what to do with that thought. Take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And you say, that thought does not belong to me because my mind is renewed by the word of God. And therefore, I take authority over that thought. I bind that thought in Jesus' name. And I release the truth and the reality of the word of God in my life. My child will live and not die. Because it is not the first fear we have. Something really awful is gonna to happen to our child. No, my, my child will live and not die because my child is a child of God. And so I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. And so we have the authority to do that. We have the authority to bind and the loose. We have the authority to speak to the mountain. We have the authority to speak the will of God here in the earth. You know, <clears throat> I heard somebody sharing this. I can't even remember who was that was talking about it. <clears throat> but he's talking about words. And he said, I know it was he, he was, he was, he was interviewing a Satanist. And this individual is saying that in our, the, the Satanists, in their, what do you call them, covets, covens? Coven. Coven. You know, that <clears throat> they'll go out and they'll, they'll assign people to specific communities. And they'll go into those communities and they'll just begin to speak out words. They'll speak out divorce. They'll speak out murder. They'll speak out crime. And they say, we'll just go out and we'll begin to just, we just begin to speak out those words. And, and as we speak them out into the community, we begin to see the manifestation of it. We begin to see marriages begin to break up. We begin to see uh, uh, crime increase. And in this interview, this, this, this Satanist is saying, you know, Christians have no idea how much authority and how much power they have in their words. Because words create, they know it, but oftentimes we don't know it. But then he went on in his interview and he says, you know, there's just one group of Christians that we just can't overcome. He says, it's those Christians that pray in other tongues. Because when you pray in other tongues, you pray the perfect prayer. You pray a prayer that is totally in line with God and in line with His Word. Now our English words ought to be the same way, amen? amen. But you know what? When you don't know how to pray, it tells us in Romans that in the Spirit we pray the perfect prayer. We can pray the prayer when we don't know how to pray. And so we need to utilize the tools that we have at our disposal. You all have heard me share this story when, when Isaac was just a, a little critter. You know, I suppose he was probably three, four years old, my, my oldest grandson. We were at their house down in, Winter, in Winterset and it was Isaac's, I think it was his birthday. Or anyway, we were down there for something. We were just having a party and he had stuff out and he was playing with it and he was gonna get something else out. And, and Nicole, 
uh, his mean mother said, Isaac, you know, before you get anything else out, I want you to put these toys, these other toys away. And he stood up in the middle of the room and he said, guys, guys. And they got all of our attention and we're looking at him. He says, these are not toys. These are tools. Yeah, his tools set out. And so it gave me a revelation because I think in the church, a lot of the, the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, we look, we, we treat them like toys. But I want to tell you something tonight. Guys, these are not toys. These are tools. And these are tools that make a difference in our lives between life and death. Faith is a tool. The Word of God is a tool. Praying in the Holy Ghost is a tool. Using the authority that we have in the name of Jesus is a tool. All of those are tools to conquer the evil one and to see the manifestation of God's will in our lives. And so we need to look at the responsibility that's there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 23, Daniel 9. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. And, you know, um, we always want to see an immediate manifestation for what we prayed for. Now, if you don't want that, my only question to you is why? Because <laughs> I do. You know, I, I think one of the stupidest statements in the Bible is when Moses went to Pharaoh and what was that? I think it was frogs in their beds. And he says, you know, I want, I'll repent. I want you to get rid of them. And he says, when do you want me to get rid of them? And he says, how about tomorrow morning? So he wanted to sleep with the frogs all night. I, I mean, and so you're going to decide when the frogs are going to get out of your bed. Why would you not say now? Because there wasn't any time stipulation in it. He says, when do you want me to get rid of the frogs? That's Schroeder's paraphrase, but that's basically what he said. And he said in the morning. You know what? When do you want your healing? Now. How about in the morning? The morning will be good. Now would be better. Amen. When do you want to see every one of your needs met? Oh, in a year or two. No, how about right now? You see, it may take till morning. It may take till next week. But our expectation ought to be now. And the reason our expectation can be now is 
And we're not going to get through it all tonight. And so I'm just going to go ahead and, and share. If you remember the, the story, if you get over into the 10th chapter, we see that Daniel prayed. And, and it, what was it? It was like, uh, was it 23 days or 21 days or three weeks? That's about 21 days. You know, and, and, but, it, but it took a period of time for the manifestation to come about. But when the angel appeared to Daniel, the angel said, the moment that you prayed, the answer came forth. But it took 21 days for the manifestation of what he had prayed for because I believe it was the prince of Persia, which represents demonic activity, came against it and hindered the manifestation from coming forth. What does that tell us? You know, number one, we need to understand we have greater authority than Daniel had. Daniel was not born again. Daniel was not baptized in the Holy Ghost. Daniel believed the Word of God. And so from that standpoint, he was a man of faith. But Daniel was not a new creation as you and I. And therefore, it was not invested in him the authority that you and I now carry because of the completed works of Jesus. And so there's times that we pray and we not, may not see the immediate manifestation of it. But you know what? We have authority in the name of Jesus to tell whatever it is that is hindering it from manifesting in our life to get out of the way. For that answer to come, for that answer to be manifest in our lives. In Ephesians 3.20 it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. According to the power that works in us. And so, once again, we're waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for Jesus to do something. But that power has been invested in us to use to the glory of God. Well, there it is in Daniel 10, 13. The prince of the, the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief um, princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Well, let me tell you something. We have authority over the king of Persia. We have authority over any now, this, this isn't a message on demons. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I got kind of off into demons, but you know what? They're a reality. And, uh, you know, we, we don't see it here like, you know, you, you'd see in many of the other countries, um, the demonic activity and so forth that goes forth. But I'll tell you something. There's... There's demons that are harassing us, that are trying to keep us from experiencing the fullness of God. Now again, I don't want to scare anybody, but, but, it, but it's reality. You know, because you don't, have to, you don't have to fear demonic activity because we have authority over it in Jesus' name. But I look at the society that we're in especially when it comes to how humans treat other humans. I am absolutely convinced that it 
requires demonic activity for people to do that to another person. I, I'm not the, I don't think I'm the kindest person in the world, but there's stuff that people do to people that I could never, ever do. I remember I was about a sophomore in high school. I, I've never been a fighter, I've always been a lover. Don't I look like one? <clears throat> but what got me there was I, I remember, I think I was about an eighth grader. I was at my cousin's house and we went to this thing uptown and some guys started mouthing off at us and picked a fight with me. And so I, I punched the guy and I hit him in the face. And when my fist hit his face, I could feel his skin under my knuckles as it twisted. It was the most hideous feeling that it ever had in my entire life. Now, I know some people really enjoy that. <laughs> Not me. It was horrible. And, and from that moment on, there, there, there has never been a desire anywhere within me to pick a fight with somebody. Not just because, you know, the other part of it is, is fights always end up in pain. <laughs> and I have this thing about pain. I just, I just don't like it. You know, so I avoid it. But, but, but seriously, I don't, I don't understand. There, there, there's things that go on that it has to be inspired by demonic activity. But we need to realize we have authority over that in Jesus' name. And we don't allow that in our community. We don't allow that in our neighborhood. But if we don't realize that we have the authority to deal with it, we'll never deal with it. We'll think it's, it's the police, it's their job. Well, it's, it's their job to deal with the aftermath. It's our responsibility to deal with it beforehand, to take, take authority over it before it ever has the opportunity to happen. Now, I don't want us to get where we were in the in the 70s where we were behind, finding a demon behind every bush. You know, that's not supposed to dominate our life. But at the same time, let's not stick our heads in the sand and not recognize that there's this, this activity that's coming against us and trying to hinder our prayers from being answered. And you know the number one way that they're gonna hinder our prayers from being answered? Because technically, they don't have the authority to stop it. The number one way they're gonna hinder our prayers from being answered is by getting us from faith into doubt. Getting us into the place, well, that works for everybody else, but it's never gonna work for me. No, we need to stand upon the word of God. We need to be so convinced that this word is true. And we need to be just as Daniel was. That when we've done all to stand, we stand therefore. Why does that say that in, in Ephesians? When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. When we've done everything that we know, when we stood up against whatever it is that comes against us, we continue to stand. And I love the picture that that, that, that portrays. What that per, portrays is when you come up against a, a heavy object and you can't move it, but you begin to apply pressure to it and you continue to apply pressure to it, and you continue to apply pressure to it until it begins to move. It's like the, the strongest man contest. And these guys, they, 
they, they harness themselves up to a, a, a semi or to a bus. And the one that's going to win, yeah, we know, I found out there's some that watch that. I, I don't ever watch that. You know, I've heard about it. You know, you know but they, they, they harness themselves up and what do they do? They don't, they don't get back and take a run for it. I, I've never seen anybody do that. I mean, I've never heard of anybody doing that. But what do they do? They get down and they get in a crouch position and they get pressure and they just continue to apply pressure until they feel it beginning to move and then they take a step and then they take a step, but they apply pressure. When they've done all that they can possibly do, they continue to stand there for. When you've done all that you need, know to do in whatever area it is, you continue to apply pressure. You know, it's interesting. Back in the Old Testament, well, actually, it's right here. The prince of Persia, if you, if you study that out in the Hebrew, what it's talking, what it, what it, how it interprets in the Hebrew, it interprets as the prince of pressure. And so you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to apply pressure in your life. That's why we have a society that feels so pressured. It's because of the demonic activity that's coming against them and they don't know how to apply pressure back. You know how you, how you combat pressure? You combat pressure with pressure. And the pressure that we use is faith. We use the Word of God. We use the name of Jesus. We use all the tools that we have in our toolbox. And as a result of those tools, we come out victorious. We build a structure that no demon in hell can penetrate. And we walk in the victory that belongs to us. In 1 Peter 2.24, you all know this. By his stripes, we were healed. Past tense. By his stripes, you're not being healed. By his stripes, you were healed. And so if, if sickness comes against us, we speak to that mountain. And we say to that mountain, be thou moved and be thou cast into the sea. But then if we don't see the immediate movement of that mountain, we apply pressure. And we continue to apply pressure till we see the manifestation of what we're believing for. Now, <clears throat> the only hindrance is, we talked about this last week, we don't have authority over another individual's will. I can't make somebody believe. I can't make somebody want what I want for them. You know, because I found, I still do this once in a while, but I've really found in the past, and that's probably why I lost all my hair. You know, I used to have a beautiful head of hair, a full beard. 
was wonderful. Until one day I woke up and I'm driving down the road and I look in the rearview mirror and half my mustache had fallen out and the other half had turned white and I had this little black spot right down the middle. <laughs> you know, I am German. And, uh, and, and, and literally my, my, my beard fell out in patches. And for probably, for probably 25 years, no, it wasn't that long, 20 years, close to 25 years, nobody cut my hair but Pastor Becky. And it wasn't because I was so cheap. It was because they had to cut it just right because of all the patches that had fallen out in the back of my hair. And so she had to cut it just so, so it, would, uh, it would cover it. Now, thank goodness, some of that's grown back in. <laughs> see, you may not be able to see it, but there's actually hair there. But I really believe one of the reasons for it was is because I didn't know how to handle stress. And probably the greatest stress that I had in my life was I wanted people to have what they didn't have and they wouldn't take it. Do you know how discouraging it is when you know the answer for somebody's life and they don't want it? Well, Pastor, you sound pretty arrogant. Well, if that's arrogance, then I'm arrogant. Because I know the solution for every individual's issue in their life. It's Jesus and the Word of God. And, and so you, you, you give people the answer, but they don't want the answer. And so you want them to have it more than they want to have it. Because they don't want to pay the price. You know, because there is a price to pay. You do have to take time to read the Word. You do have to take time to, you know, get your priorities right and so on and so forth. But when we do that, the results are always the same. Answered prayer, victorious life. Now, your victorious life may be different than my victorious life. But that's his will for each and every one of us. And it comes through, through Jesus. It comes through his word. By his stripes we were healed. And so we need to, to, to realize that we were. And so my goal is to get what's get manifested in my life, what's already mine, what already belongs to me, what's already been poured out for me, what Jesus has already assured me that belongs to me. Because that's what his word says. Now, like I said, the enemy wants to hinder us. He wants to keep us from experiencing. And, and we saw that in Daniel, but look with me in Luke, the, the ninth chapter in the first verse. And it says, and he called, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority 
over all demons to cure diseases. Now, we're his disciples. Listen to this again. And he called his disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Now, again, think about this for a moment. Jesus gave his, let me, let me put it this way. Jesus delegated authority to his disciples to go out, cast out demons, and to cure diseases. He told them to go cast out demons and to cure diseases. This is chapter 9. Jesus isn't crucified until chapter 18. Well, it's later than that in chapter 22, 23. And so their delegated authority, because they weren't born again, they weren't baptized in the Holy Ghost, but Jesus was able to delegate to them the authority to cast out demons, to cure sicknesses. Notice he told them to cure the disease. Told them to cure the disease. That, that's very important. Because it's not asking Jesus to do something. He's already done it. He's invested the authority in us. Now, we're born again. We're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said to us in Mark, I need, I need people to tick me off more often. Man, I'm, I'm having fun tonight. This, this isn't even my message, but praise the Lord. This old preacher's enjoying this. I mean, y'all, you can just go home if you want. I'm just going <laughs> to preach. <clears throat> he said in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Notice, here, it's, it's more than just delegated authority that's been given to us. It's, it's invested in us. You know, I would think in a business, if you've got employees, you can, you can delegate authority into those employees. But when your son grows up and he comes into partnership with you in that business, it's no longer delegated authority. It's authority that has been invested in him through 
through the right of inheritance, so to speak. We're not delegated disciples of Jesus. We are sons of God. And that means the same authority that Jesus carried, you and I carry. Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Your death, burial, and burial will not save a soul. Jesus was the only one that was qualified to do that. But we carry the same authority that Jesus carried when he walked upon the earth, when he healed the sick, when he cast out devils. Peter demonstrated it when he, when he reached into a bundle of sticks to throw them in the fire and a snake attached itself to his, to his wrist and he shook it off into the, into the fire and everybody sat around waiting for him to keel over dead because it was a poison a snake and after he didn't keel over dead, they figured he must be a god. Oh, I'll get myself in a lot of trouble if I say this. He was. Small g. The Bible says that you and I, we were created. King James Version says, just a little lower than the angels. The word, let's get the right one, Elohim. We're created just a little lower than God. And we carry the authority. Oh, this is going to get me in all kinds of trouble. Maybe I better have you blank this tape. But see, we have that authority in to, to carry out the will of God because of what Jesus... And it isn't just because I give you authority to do this. No, it's because it's, it's part of who we are. We need to realize... That's, that's who we are. We are agents of healing. We're agents of God to bring deliverance into the lives of people. And, and notice what it says. I, I love the last part of this verse. Because it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word. What word? the word they spoke, confirming the word through accompanying signs. You know what? When we've got the word of God, we've got the power of God. When we've got the word of God, we've got the authority. When we begin to speak out the word of God, the sick ought to be healed. Demon-possessed ought to be, be raised up completely free. But you know what? It begins with you and I coming to the place where we really believe that. Because without that, what happens is we get so quickly and so easily discouraged. In Mark, the eighth chapter, the 22nd verse, and this is talking about Jesus. And he, Jesus, came to Bethesda, and they brought a blind man to him, and begged him to touch him. And so he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, now you want to get in trouble. Just start spitting in people's eyes. 
But when he had spit in his eyes, he put his hands on him and asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. And you know what? We would have quit there. We would have said, praise the Lord, you see something. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, he sees something. But you know what? He didn't stop there. And he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him to his own house. I, I don't know what that means to you. Now, 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 the thing that we see about this, it isn't like Jesus prayed for him twice. But he commanded the manifestation to come forth. He prayed for his eyes. He prayed for healing to manifest in this man's life. But he didn't stop until he saw the manifestation of it. Ryan's already seen a miracle in his life. But you know what? I'm not satisfied with him having experienced a miracle. I want the complete manifestation of that healing in his life because that's what Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die for a partial healing, but we'll settle for it. Well, pastor, what if it doesn't ever come? I would rather go to my grave believing for the fulfillment of it than settle for less. I've had people tell me, you know, pastor, when you go pray for people in the hospital, aren't you afraid that you're giving them false hope? Well, let me tell you something. I would rather have hope than no hope. Hope is that Jesus is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. And like I said, if and it's not going to happen, but if I'm ever diagnosed with something, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to believe until I suck my last breath of air for healing. What if it doesn't come? Well, then I'll go be with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can't lose. But why settle? I don't want to settle in life. I think as Christians, we've, we've settled for too much mediocrity. Mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Becky would be so proud of me. I got it right. <laughs> let's not settle. Let's, let's believe God that he's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Romans 10, 17, we're all familiar with it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we get to that point? We get to that point by meditating on the word. Not meditating on the problem. You know, I'm, I'm amazed. And, you know, maybe it's a fault of mine. But I'm amazed how people are able to Memorize their prescriptions, but they can't memorize the Word of God. I mean, in the Word of God, we've got, you know, words like faith, comes, 
hearing. Medications we've got. I mean, I, I can't even pronounce those stupid words. You know, and I, 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 I take one little stinking pill every day. You know, they gave it to me years back for something or other. I don't even remember what I got it for, but they tell me it's working, so I, I guess it's good. <laughs> but every time I go to the doctor, they ask me what I'm taking. I says, well, you got to look it up on the record. I don't have any idea what it is. I've, I've never, I mean, I've never memorized it. I've, I've read it. You know, Brother Hagin said he read, he, he knew two-thirds of the New Testament because he read it and just never forgot it. I've read it and I can't remember it. I mean, it's, it's too stupid of a word for me to try to memorize. And besides that, I have absolutely zero desire to memorize it. If my, if my pharmacist says, we need to know the name of the prescription. My response to him will be, forget it. I don't need it. You know, but, you know, you know, and Dr. Carver, when he was still practicing, told me one time, he says, I don't know if you need it or not. A lot of people, they feel comfortable taking it forever. He says, you know, if you get to a point you don't want to take it, that's probably all right. But, you know, you know, thank God for Medicare. It doesn't cost me anything. Praise the Lord. You poor folk that are, well, we won't go there. What am I talking about? I don't have any idea either. Oh, memorizing the word. Don't, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me you can't memorize the word. You can memorize your stupid prescription that's totally temporal. Thank God for prescriptions. It's like a preacher I heard one time. He says, thank God for medicine. Keeps us alive till we can get our healing. Amen. It's not your answer. But thank God it keeps us alive until we can get the manifestation of whatever it is that we need in our life. Faith works. It's the Word of God. And it was accomplished 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on that cross. He is buried in that tomb. And he was resurrected from the dead for our justification. And because of that justification, because we are in that righteous position, because we are the sons and daughters of God, every one of the graces, every one of the promises of God belong to us right now. <clears throat> it doesn't just simply belong to us. It's ours right now. And now what we need to do is to be so convinced of it that we have an expectation of it manifesting in our life, because it will, because it's His will. It's beyond my will, it's His will. Now what I need to do is get my will in line with His will, and then we'll have something going. Amen. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for healing. Thank God for prayer. And so prayer is so much more than lay, now I lay me down, my, down to sleep or, you know, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But we need to recognize that our prayer carries authority. And it isn't just throwing something up there. It's believing 
what God says in his word and being determined that I'm going to stand until I see the manifestation of it in Jesus' name. You know, I was expecting Gwen to be healed. Even when it looked like Gwen wasn't going to be healed, I was expecting Gwen to be healed until she called Pastor Becky and I up, into her, up to her hospital room and she said, I'm going home. That was all I needed. I said, I'm in agreement with you in Jesus' name. Why? Because you can't find anything better than going home to Jesus. You know, we, we see it as a loss. <laughs> Look, there is, there is no loss there. It's a promotion. Now, um, and so, I don't know why I shared that. But there is a time where we, we stop. There is a time. Dorothy, sitting down there with her in her room down there in Coon Rapids, and she was, she was ready to go. We'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden she'd open her eyes, and she'd look around, and say, oh. <laughs> thought I was going to be gone. Why am I not gone? Why am I still here? I don't want to be here. Praise the Lord. And when she went, What a God we serve. He's so magnificent. Let's stop trying to figure him out with our pea brains. It's so, it's so, he's so far beyond our ability to comprehend his goodness, his greatness, his awesomeness. Let's just accept it. Accept what he says. The words of Smith Wigglesworth, the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. If we're going to be settled, let's be settled in that. Amen. Well, let's quit for tonight. So be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you all. Just remember uh, the Mobleys. Just stand with them. And when you think of them, just give out a praise to the Lord that they have their answers in Jesus' name.